0: If you're ready for your website to bring in more consistent sales then you are going to love today's episode because i have guest reese spikerman who is a design and copywriting consultant who helps small businesses increase their website's revenue by optimizing their customers online buying experience so we get into the reasons that businesses are so challenged by their web copy and what people get wrong that can be really easy fixes. She has a great formula that you can start using right away. And she even includes some real world examples. So I am looking forward to diving into this. I'm Christy Bilbury. Right after college, I started my career in a Senate press office and then the White House. For the next seven years, I worked in corporate marketing before starting my own business. As soon as I did, the one thing I realized that none of those experiences taught me was how to market myself. Promoting yourself can mess with your head. Discovering brand storytelling and learning how to put it to work in my messaging saved my business. Once I learned this, I started teaching other business owners how to put it to work in their business as well. I created the Business That Story Built podcast to help strengthen the stories we tell ourselves and the stories we tell others. Audiences crave the human side of businesses. They want to get to know you, follow you and interact with you outside of the buying experience. This can be intimidating to say the least. If you're ready to take your mindset and your messaging to the next level, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Thank you so much for joining today. We are back in the sales series, and I'm really excited to introduce you to today's guest, Reese Spikerman. And I hope I'm saying that correctly. I totally forgot to ask her beforehand. It is. It's Reese Spikerman. And she is coming to us to talk about how we can bring in more sales through our websites. Um, she works on actually websites and emails. Um, we're really going to focus on websites today and just kind of drilling down into that, what you can do to really improve your sales with your website. So thank you so much for joining today, Reese. Really excited to have you on.
1: I'm thrilled to be here. I've been looking forward to this discussion all week long. So thank you so much for having me, Christy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Reese has a really cool background. We were chatting beforehand. She actually, so she's, I'm in Phoenix. She's up in Northern Michigan. So of course, this is the time of year that I'm super jealous of her, (laughs) where she gets to live. Um, But she actually spent seven years in Malaysia which I know definitely impacted her whole life and most likely career too. So I would just love to hear a little bit about, um, you know, that experience and how that kind of impacted you and what that changed for you.
1: Yes. Wow. Well, I have lived in three countries in total. I'm American. Uh, was born and raised here. I lived three years in Canada and then seven years in Malaysia before I came back to the United okay. States. And. I was in my mid twenties when I moved to Malaysia with my husband, who is from there, and I was pretty young and naive, and I think I had this i this very idealistic um, fantasy, if you will, about Malaysia being very similar to what I was used to growing up, but just more cool things. Like I had a very <laughs> prescribed set of expectations around what it would be like, and there was significant culture shock on my part moving there. Um, examples include, I rarely, if ever drove the car anywhere because, Mm -hmm. uh, driving in a large age, Asian city, if you are not used to it is, um, is not for the weak of heart. I will just say, (laughs) (laughs) um, but one of the things that I learned is as much as there are vast cultural differences and, and I've, I've visited other countries too. I have in-laws that are from other countries. There are common ties that bind us, which sounds really cliched and cheesy, but it started to inform a lot of my worldview and the work I do and just realizing that at their core, most human beings would really like to be seen and appreciated. And again, it kind of sounds like common sense, something we all hear, but it took going and living in other cultures for me to for that point to really be driven home and that um we can express empathy when we can connect with people despite there being cultural barriers um, simply by doing simple things to show another person that we see them, like we see their human experience and we recognize that.
0: Yeah, no, that sounds, it sounds amazing. What was one of the coolest things that you experienced while you were there? Oh, wow.
1: All right. Well, i got to say the food. Uh, <laughs> Malaysia is home to three separate distinctive ethnic cultures. And so, this creates a very complex and wonderful cuisine, more so than any other country that I've visited. And um, it, it's just, it's so layered and there's, you'll eat something and there's tones of sweetness and sourness and a, a richness. And I, my poor husband, he misses the food so oh. much while we're here, <laughs> but that really it completely changed my palate. Um, you know, mm. previously I was an American who give me a buffalo wing and I'm like, that's way right? really too spicy. And now <laughs> a lot of food here is kind of boring for me. It's not so much about the spice and the heat, but the complexity, I miss mm. that. And the food there is wonderful.
0: Oh, and it's probably, I don't know in Northern Michigan, but here I don't see many Malaysian restaurants around. So it's probably tough to recreate some of those experiences here, yeah.
1: It is. We have, we struggle to find any to visit, but thankfully, Mm -hmm. both my husband and I are decent cooks. So there's exceptions. There's some things that are really hard for you to make yourself, but there are many foods that we can make in our house and we do.
0: Oh, good. Very nice. And so, Reese, also her background before she was in working on websites and emails, she was a journalist. So, how long were you a journalist,
1: Reese? Well, that's kind of up for debate because (laughs) I I had to do boots on the ground experience while I was in journalism school and during college and for a couple years after I was in journalism like did writing for some local papers and then I left it. So I really aside from the 4 years I studied in college and then a couple years afterward I was not in the media or journalism very long.
0: Okay. Okay, but definitely got a feel for that experience, that background, that mindset, which, um, you know, being in PR, I definitely have a curiosity having not worked on that end of it. I've always been, um, you know, the one on the pitching end of that. So at the end, at the end, I definitely want to ask a couple questions about that. And I know that that also influenced how you approach writing for Business owners, and um, you know, you definitely have that to take into account. So, so kind of going into what you're doing today and the work that you do on websites and in emails, what do you find over and over that people find really challenging when it comes to writing their web copy or even approaching what the heck am I supposed to be doing here?
1: Yeah, I love this question because without fail, it's something I run into with all the clients I work with or students that I've taught. And it has to do with people have a preconceived notion around how their copy should sound. And a lot of this comes, I have found from our background in school. So sitting on someone's shoulder is their fifth or eighth grade teacher Mm -hmm. with the red pen and marking them down if they aren't formal enough, if the grammar isn't correct, if they aren't, you know, if they don't have subject for of agreement. And I'm not seeing any of these things are wrong, but I will, I'll share a story that one of my students told me recently. She told me that she was so uncomfortable writing her own copy before we worked together because she felt like she had to put on a mask. She felt like she had to be someone else someone she wasn't comfortable being. And so not only when she would write the copy, but later when she would read back what she had written, she just did not feel like her. So there's this, I think what happens is people bring a lot of baggage to it. Yes. They think they either need to sound corporate or they need to be formal like they were taught in school. Um. I think some of it is even... Uh, sound bigger or more important than you are. I get questions of, can I use the word I? Should I use we? If we're only, if I'm only a one woman shop, they get really caught up on those sorts of things. And it's so far removed from what really is effective in web copy and email copy and any sort of copy where you're trying to connect with your potential client or customer.
0: So they're getting caught up in kind of the wrong, the wrong things. So what What would you say, uh, if we just take the homepage for an example, what are the most important pieces that people need to focus on making sure, and I know everybody's different and every business is different, but just kind of those core elements to make sure that they are included in their homepage. What would you say are the biggies? Mm,
1: This is a great question and the big one, and we're going to talk a little later about, we're going to break this down. But when we think about the elements of a homepage, one of the most important ones is to make use of what I call headlines. So if we think we are talking a little bit about the media and journalism, if you look at the cover of a magazine or the front page of a newspaper, the headlines are the larger text that basically, you know on Cosmo, learn how to I don't know, please your man in 30 days. Like they're the things that first catch our eye. And then below that, when you open up the magazine to read it, is the body of the story. So mm-hmm. on your homepage, and frankly, on most pages of your site, you want at least one good, strong headline at the top. But I really encourage people, especially if they're a coach or in the service based business realm, to have at least a few of these, like three to four of these throughout the page as you go down have a headline and a little blurb of text another headline a blurb of text and the reason why is it helps make the home page or any page on your website a lot easier for our eyes to scan mm-hmm. and a lot of times i'll see it you go to a home page and there'll be paragraphs and paragraphs upon paragraphs of text without any headlines to break it up and people kind of they get bored, they'll fall asleep. They like to read like short little nuggets sure. for them to just kind of like snack on. And headlines are exceptional at providing that for them. And do you feel like
0: with the headlines it's um more just kind of declarative or more kind of teaser to get them to explore more and dive into those pain points? Or is that just going to be you know different on a case by
1: case basis? That is a meaty question with somewhat of a complex answer. And I don't want to overwhelm your audience, but one of the things you need to consider is search engine optimization. Mm -hmm. And you you throw that monkey wrench into everything and people are more like, ah, what do I do? I like my, my own personal preference. And when I'm advising clients is to do something where you have a smaller bit of text that. As your descriptive keywords. So Mm -hmm. for example, um, Christy Bilbrey, you know, PR strategist. Okay. And that would be in a relatively smallish font, but you might put it in SEO terms um, in a heading tag. And then you would put it in another heading tag, but in bigger text. what I call more conversion based copy or words. And this is more, not so much those declarative things, but this is where we're going to try and pull people in and speak directly to them. Um, And and this leads really well into something that I see people get wrong a lot with their website copy and their headlines is that formality I was talking about. Mm -hmm. You you imagine you'll you'll read a headline that's, it's almost, it reads like nonsense. It's so hard to figure out like um, AI robotics that are at the cutting edge of the, whatever revolution. And you're like, what, what are they trying to say? And if you can, <laughs> right. right. I, I it, it's like, there, I, there's this, I think people try to sound very impressive mm-hmm. and they also get very caught up in their own features or benefits, even if they're not a product. Right. So maybe right. a coach that's like coaching for the serious entrepreneur who wants to make waves every, like, it's kind of like, wow, that's a lot to fill in there. Instead, I like really conversational headlines that pull people in, use the word you, that mm-hmm. make it more about the person who's reading, our potential yeah. customer or client, than it is about the business owner or the business itself. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, absolutely. I think I think that's that's such a key. It's easy to get when it's your website and you feel like, oh, this is a reflection of me. It's easy to get trapped in your head. I feel like and think, oh, this is where, you know, I have to prove myself and, you know, really earn their, um, you know, make them so excited to be here as opposed to why are they coming? They're coming because they have a problem. So no, I love, I love making it all about, you know, here's you, do you identify with, you know, the kind of pain point? So you talked about conversion, making it more oriented toward conversion with those bigger headlines. And do you feel like, Um, you know, really kind of drilling down into pain points is, is the approach to that. You know, some people are like, it's all about the pain points and the results. And do you feel like, yeah, especially for a homepage, kind of those core, those core pain points are the focal point.
1: Yes and no. So I'm of the bent that sometimes we focus too much on pain points, or it may be done in a way that leaves the person who wrote it or who's reading it feel a little icky. Now that's not me saying we don't address people's pain points because they have them, but sometimes I like to make sure we also address desires and desires do not have to be big and grand on the other side of every pain point is a desired outcome of what they want that is different. And so my approach is to, when I'm writing copy is to think about like, how can I really convey empathy with these words and not necessarily just take, you know, the, the pencil and dig it in even more in that pain point. So again, it's, it's about finessing. It's not, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not saying avoid the pain points, Mm -hmm. but more, how can it be done in a way That goes back to what I was saying about what I learned in Malaysia. That's compassionate. That sees Mm -hmm. that person in a really authentic and kind and honest way, but you aren't necessarily trying to overly manipulate or leverage that pain point.
0: Don't hammer it too hard. (laughs) Um, Okay. It's
1: kind of an art, right? I don't know if I can say like, Hey, here's a prescription, do this. Don't do that. It's kind of, you get a feel for it over time, but yeah, you still can use pain points, and we're we're going to talk about some examples that have pain points in them in a while. So you'll see, um, but also think about what are the on the other side. What are their desires? How can you also speak to those?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That balance that balance between where are they at? Where do they want to go? And what about um copy? what would you say that businesses really kind of struggle with or often will get wrong? Um, when it comes to kind of like these pages that they forget about and what are those pages that they forget about that are important?
1: Well, in terms of what I see forgotten about a little context for your audience, a fair amount of the work I do is in the e-commerce realm. And so in that realm, a lot of e-commerce businesses forget about the importance and power of their about page. Yep. Yep. Not as much of a big deal when we're talking about service-based businesses, um, coaches, consultants. The about page is usually not as forgotten, but the approach on it is where I see an opportunity for people to rethink how they're doing things. And okay. it goes back to what I was saying where you use you and you have copy and headlines that are much more about the person who's reading it than it is about you, which is a really kind of a, um, a mindset thing for people to wrap their heads around because they're thinking it's my about page. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't it be about me? And yes, it should, but you need a braille to bridge to that place about yourself at, before you start talking too much about you. And part of how you do that is you, you might have a headline at the top that says something like, like you. I was tired of having my money go down the drain every month on subscription plans. I don't know. I'm just riffing here mm-hmm. sure. where you're you're finding this common ground between what you do or what you care about as a coach or a service provider or a consultant and what you know something is important to the person who's reading it, why they're on your website. And if you pull them in, in the beginning with a large headline that, is sort of like the example I just gave, you're going to be doing better than the vast majority of businesses I see that have at the top about me. Like that is the main top text at the top. It's about me. We human beings are very self centered. Like it, I don't mean that judgmentally, it's just how we are. So if we, instead of having at the top of our page about me, have a, a large piece of text, a headline that creates that bridge between us and them, it's much more likely to be read and they'll continue reading because you're seeing them.
0: Love that. Love that. Um, Well, on that note, I know that you also do have kind of some formulas to help make some of these where it can feel like just endless questions and endless options to kind of bring that in and make it more attainable for people So, um, you know, you have a, you have a headline formula. I'd love for you to kind of chat about that and, you know, having formulas kind of in your back pocket to help with this. And, you know, what do you recommend with that? What are your, what are your go-tos there?
1: Okay. Well, I want to suss out formula a little bit because we hear that word and some of us might immediately think, well, won't that mean. I will sound formulaic, right? Like that would have been my concern a few years ago before I started learning more about this. But formulas are, they're a structure that does some of the heavy lifting for you so that you can focus on the specifics, um, like filling in the blanks of a formula with specifics that are very resonant for your particular ideal customer or client. And they also help prevent you from hitting that wall, that creative wall of what do I say? How do I say it? Like we all need starting off points. And one more thing I found is that creativity often thrives in boundaries. So a formula Hmm. is a form of a boundary, right? We're, We're trying to work within a very defined thing. And then we will often feel less overwhelmed and more creative because it's like within this boundary, I have endless possibilities. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Mm -hmm. Mm. Compared to, I need to write something at the top of my homepage. Where do I start? That in and of itself, like can lead to so much indecision and paralysis. So that's why I really, really love formulas. And I have a a bunch of different ones, but there's one in particular that I think your audience could put to use. And really by the, hopefully by the end of this, interview we'll go off and and
0: practice it and try it out.
1: Let's let's hear it. Okay. We talked about pain points. So Mm -hmm. this one actually is about pain points. And I call it the say goodbye formula. Okay. And I'm gonna give examples on how it um you know, works in execution, but you're basically telling your customer or your client to say goodbye to something that bothers or frustrates them. Or you can re re we, and I'm, I'll show you how you can reshape this a little bit. So you don't have to follow it exactly or avoid potential mistakes or discomfort. So Mm -hmm. show a transformation. So here's some examples. So you understand what I mean. Uh, This is from a clothing company. And I'm going to do both product ones and uh, service-based ones. So this is from a clothing company. Say goodbye to bodysuits. This particular clothing company then on this page for this new product they had went on to talk about how most bodysuits are really uncomfortable. They ride up, right? They (laughs) kind of pinch in uncomfortable places. They they were introducing a new type of bodysuit that basically is not like the old ones that none of us want anything to do with. So that's why theirs was say goodbye to body suits. Okay. Here's one I wrote for a client, a product client, and it's a spin on the say goodbye, but it's a little different. Never drink another unhealthy coffee again. Hmm. We're helping them avoid a mistake or discomfort or avoid doing something that That had been problematic. So, this was for a Uh coffee creamer company. Okay. That had turned their creamers into like a supplement that Hmm. isn't full of chemicals and things. So, that's why that headline. Here's another example of the say goodbye. So, this could be for one, let's say you have a meal planning coach or a nutritionist Mm -hmm. say goodbye to the last minute dinner dance.
0: Mm. Yeah. Something they can definitely resonate with.
1: Yeah. And I'm so glad you said that, Christy, because you see how the, if we take just the first three words, say goodbye to Mm -hmm. that's the formula part, right? but the way you make it not formulaic is by inserting something afterward that is not generic. It needs to be specific to your ideal customer, uh, a pain point or a desire they have. So I know you worked with a A a teacher client who he was really interesting. He teaches, like, basically the art of Zen and teaching. Dan? Yeah, yeah. Well, Dan, I went and I looked at his copy, like, throughout his website. And I'm pulling right from his copy a way that he could turn it into a headline. It doesn't use say goodbye exactly, but the idea is here.
0: Dan, I hope you're listening.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Dan, listen. Recapture peace in your classroom without adding yet another program. Mm, okay. okay. So this one's a great example of how you can make it even a little bit more complex where you're showing them the desire or the <laughs> transformation, the recapture piece, and then without. So that's like avoid, avoid the thing that you don't want to have to do. Or here is one from Asana you know, the, the mm-hmm. task management yeah. uh, that so many of us use. Work on big ideas without the busy work. So the one I told you for Dan is very similar in structure to the one I just said for that Asana uses. Yeah. So you can either say goodbye to something, that's it, point blank. So say goodbye to bodysuits. Um, say goodbye to that slow, embarrassing website that could work for a website designer, a developer. Yeah. Or you could get the thing that you really want without the thing that you want to avoid or that discomfort. So that's like a couple ways to put this formula to work.
0: I like that because it paints a picture, you know, it's like, it's not just hitting the pain point. I feel like a lot of times, um, people will want to use really generic language about their pain point. And so I really love that every example that you include is so specific And it's something that they can picture that is exactly for that use. You know, whether it's product or service, it's not something that anybody could say about anything. You know, so I feel like it'll hit home more with their audience because they're like, "Yes, you're speaking my language. That's exactly what I think about this." And I think that's also something I see people miss a lot is just using this. They're like, "Oh, I'm hitting a pain point." Like. Do you want to be stuck in life forever? (laughs) You know, something like that, where it's it's you could say that about anything, right? Um, so I think also I love how you're talking about you can once you once you kind of embrace these formulas, you can then picture, okay. So what does that bring to mind and and be super specific, which is gonna impact your audience so much more. So I, I love that because I can just visually see. Everything you know and kind of feel that for these audiences that you're talking about, which is which is also huge. So.
1: Okay, you are amazing because you echo exactly what I tell people. You just you hit the nail on the head. If you have something you've written in for your copy, especially and your headlines on your website, and you could put that on a whole wide variety of other businesses' websites. It's time to go back to the drawing board, and, and what you said about specifics versus generalities—you are speaking my language, um, and I'm so glad that you kind of called that out and emphasized that. That is so important, and the more specific you can be, the more that the person who's reading it will be like that. She read my mind. Mm-hmm. She knows exactly what I'm going through. Like Dan's example with a uh, without adding yet another program. I'm going to reread it. And here was the specifics recapture peace in your classroom without adding yet another program. What if it Dan's headline was something like, um, help me out here. You know, something <laughs> generic about kids in <laughs> classrooms. I'm, I'm so well like into specifics. Well, specific he gets into a lot of like
0: burnout. So his teachers are in burnout and he wants to keep them in the classroom teaching as opposed to getting burnout and leaving the profession. So you know, something about probably getting fried or checking out, which, you know, burnout, sure, burnout can apply to so many people and, you know, wanting to leave whatever it is and leave their problems behind, but he paints a picture of the classroom and, you know, like what you talked about where it's like, okay, let's be very specific about classroom. This isn't just life in general. This is teachers in a classroom, knowing that classroom situation and, um, And and so you can picture it. And I think teachers can read that and know he's talking to me. He's talking about me. He
1: understands me. And so, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if Dan had at the top of his site, something like say goodbye to burnout, pretty much any person in any profession would read that. And it's not that they would say it applies to me. They would tune out because it's not speaking directly to them. Whereas in this example, like you said, you have the word classroom immediately, even without having to use the word teacher, a teacher is going to know this person is speaking to me. Mm -hmm. They understand me. They, you know, they're speaking my language here.
0: Sure. Yeah. No, that's, that I feel like is such a game changer. So I think that getting off of the, the blinking cursor on the blank page where it's like, what do I say about anything? I feel like having that, having that formula what do you want them to live without? What do you want them to say goodbye to? It's like, it gives you a starting point to, to start honing in on, okay, what do I really see that's specific to this audience and give you something to play with? So I love that. I think that, that is a great, a great approach where you can, you know, kind of like we talked about earlier, you're introducing the pain point, you're hitting it, but you're not hammering it to death.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah, no, that's that is so so good. And I know, um, I also have some you know questions about PR, but before we move on to that, was there anything else you know, any final piece of advice that you really kind of want to share about uh web copy? Sure,
1: yes, there is. I will leave with one final tip on web copy when you have the various forms on your site. So by forms, I mean, you, you have a form for people to maybe sign up for your email list or for a lead magnet, or maybe you have a contact page with a contact form on it. These all have buttons or they should. <laughs> this is a great place to not use the word submit. <laughs> okay. Be- because it's if you think about it, most people subconsciously, aren't going to like want to submit to something, right? Okay. So it's kind of a weird, it's got weird connotations mm-hmm. to it. Um, mm-hmm. What you can do instead is, you know, yes, please, or uh, connect now, or give me the free thing. Um I want that just, you don't, don't get too, too clever, but it's a place where you can be a little bit more conversational and get away from that more robotic type of terminology of submit.
0: (laughs) I, that's, I think that is overlooked. I totally agree. I think people are like, I don't even think about that, but you're right. I mean, you're, you're speaking to and influencing your audience at every step. And even if they don't even realize it, like you said, it's kind of a Subconscious thing, it's still there. And it's a great way to interject your personality and energy. So that no, that's a really, really good point. You know, I'm sure people are gonna go after this and start looking at all their pages. What do I have on my button copy?
1: (laughs) You know what? It's it's a really easy fix. Like if you are a little intimidated or reluctant to dive into the headlines and the formula we talked about, this is a, a easy tweak to start making and you will, you can make it, you can make it in probably an hour or less, depending on you know how adept you are at things. Um, and you will feel quite accomplished when you're done. So I love it. It's like a, a fast, easy win for people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that is great. I really, I love how you have taken websites and you're really just making them, okay, just kind of laser focus on these things. And these will have a huge, impact in in your business. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. But before I let you go, because I do know you have your background in journalism, and I'm always trying to get more into the heads of journalists and just that thought process. Um, when you were there, when you were working in the industry, what did you feel like were Kind of the pieces that brands, businesses, PR committees would get wrong that you're like, oh my gosh, why are they sending this? This is not at all helpful that you feel like is pretty common across the board that people should be aware of.
1: Okay. Little context. When I was in it, email was not nearly as universal and used Mm. as now, but I have friends and colleagues in the industry. So I'm going to speak to what I know from them. Um, but we would, we would get really generic press releases faxed to us, right? (laughs) Sometimes they'd come in email, but mostly it would be in the fax or in the mail. Now, how is that relevant today? Journalists, editors, you know, producers, if you're talking about TV are fielding on any given day, depending on the size of their publication, hundreds and hundreds of emails everything from writers that you know they're contracting with and doing story back and forth with to people in PR pitching them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that this common denominator here is the people pitching often will waste the potential editor or journalist time. Um, example, sending the sports editor or writer a pitch about your new lotion that's locally made. This is not the right person. Mm -hmm. And it's just like the relevancy isn't there. So you need to have relevancy, Mm -hmm. but I think the relevancy should go a layer deeper and show that you have, when you're pitching an understanding of what that particular desk or department cares about. What is their overall content approach? So if they do a lot of small local business stuff, and and that particular desk is focused on that, make sure that you are coming at them with an angle that tells them, hey, um, this is why I think your audience or your community will find it valuable because I saw this piece you did on these other local businesses and my, you know, my piece or whatever it is I'm pitching will help people learn A, B, and C and give them specifics. So I kind of answered a couple of questions here where it's, what are you doing wrong? It's, it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. You're either being too generic, you're mm-hmm. using a template, you aren't customizing it, you aren't showing relevancy, you're too focused on yourself, <laughs> you aren't focused on what the editor or the writer cares about, like what's right. in it for them. Everything I just said about websites and headlines actually really applies here too yeah. with pitching. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and so I, you know, my follow-up question was going to be, what should it be? And you've, you've already kind of getting, gone straight into that, like be specific and what do they care about? And it is, it's that, it's that taking that time to do that research. Who is this person? What do they care about? Are they even going to care about what I'm sending them? Uh, so that, yeah, that's great. I feel like it's just, it shows them you took the time to actually give them something that they might care
1: about. So yeah.
0: Yeah. No, well-
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, you help me remember one thing that is like two sides of a coin: what to do and what to avoid. Mm -hmm. Busy, busy people, right? Remember, I said they're fielding hundreds of emails. So, how do you cut through that? When you have a pitch, they should not have to scratch their heads to try and figure out what it is that you're pitching. Like, what's the nut of the story here? Right? Like, what's like the real nugget? Yes. If they have to work too hard to try and figure out and read between lines and it's like broad and your audience will love this sweeping journey of, a, (laughs) and it's like, just get me the meat and potatoes of the thing. So give them that. And when you do your subject lines, if you're emailing your pitch, which most people probably are, Mm -hmm. I like to put say in brackets or something pitch, Mm. and then almost as if it were the Potential title of the story: you know, Three way, new ways to carve pumpkins this season.
0: Love that. Take it. Take the work off their plate.
1: The less work they have to do, and the more relevancy and specifics you can show, I think the more likely your pitch is to be received. And don't be afraid to follow up. I. It depends on the cadence of the publication. I tend to follow up with my pitches about a week after I send them out. That's Mm -hmm. when I'm doing podcasts or media with longer time horizons. Mm -hmm. If you're doing the local paper and it's really, like it's something that's going to happen in the next couple of days, obviously your follow-up is going to have to be at a more aggressive schedule.
0: Sure. No, that's great. I love that. Thinking about, okay, not only what do they care about, but how can I make this easier for them? And so even, so you're recommending the subject line is basically, this is what your head, you know, this is what the title could be. And so make it easy, make it an easy win for, for both of you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's excellent. Excellent advice. Good. I'm so glad I
1: could help with that.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Reese. You have just provided so much and making this one more piece that's easier to, to deal with in our businesses. So thank you so much for joining us and um, for anyone who wants to learn more about Reese, you can find her on her website, design excuse me, dot com. And we'll have that in the show notes as well. And thank you so much for joining Reese. Really
1: appreciate it. Thanks, Christy. I loved it. Bye, everyone. Bye. And everyone, until next time, have a great week.
0: To succeed in business, you need brand awareness, authority, and trust. To get those, you need visibility. Podcasts offer each of these. It's a unicorn platform because it gives you the scarcest resource in digital marketing, attention. Did you know that 80% of podcast audiences listen to the entire episode and more than 50% consider buying from a brand or individual that they discover on a podcast? building your own show and audience takes years grow faster by guest speaking on other podcasts to get more leads build your seo and strengthen your brand to learn how my agency can help email me at hello at